All right, my name is Thule. I'm from Rev in London. Anyone from London? Got a few Londoners. All right, love you. Anyone from not in London? Also love you guys. You guys are brilliant. Um, we're going to talk about what it means to break free. I'd introduce myself a bit more, but I don't think there's much about me that needs to be known. I'm going to talk to you about the God who is much more worth our attention and our time because he's the one who's going to break us free. All right. So I'm going to tell... Well, first I'm going to start and just say God is actually here right now. Like, I'm utterly convinced God is moving around this place. And I think even, even now, Jesus is on his feet just walking amongst you. and He's got great things to do amongst us. So raise your expectations. It's the last day, but... God's still got so much he wants to do in us. So I just pray, like, pray, God, give us an expectation that you're going to do amazing things today. Pray, God, that you would even now just be filling us with excitement and hope that you are going to bring freedom to places where we're just feeling like we're a bit stuck and we're a bit imprisoned. Amen. All right, I'm going to tell you a story, um, which I felt God said I should share. So it's a story of a church that was having a meeting in London and all of a sudden there was this massive commotion outside and they run outside and they found that there was a couple of kids who'd gotten into a fight and one of them had got out a knife and then there was just a kid who was left on the floor bleeding and so these, kid, these uh, church guys came out and one of them was a doctor and doing the utmost that they could for this kid and it just didn't work. Ambulance came, kid was dead, that was it. And the reason I share this is because I, God, I think God wants us to, wants to help us to know that there are some of us who carry things in us where we've seen things and we've experienced things in the world and it breaks our hearts. And we're like, why God? Why are you letting this happen? Why are my friends hurting? Why are they anxious? Why are my exams not working out the way they should? Why, why is war happening in Ukraine right now? Why are kids just growing up without their dads or their mums, why is it all going on? And I think some of us, the response that we feel is utter helplessness. What do you do? We feel trapped. That's what we want to break free from, is just feeling helpless. I don't know anyone here who sees bad things and is like, oh, that's all right, and doesn't want to do anything about it. Some of us, I think, you see and hear these things and you get really angry. You get really angry. Or you see and hear these things and you get really, you just feel hopeless. You feel like, ah, there's literally nothing we can do. Or you just hear about these things and you just feel guilty. Like, I should have done something. You hear about something that your friend's going through and you're like, ah, if I'd known, maybe I would have done something. But I didn't and I couldn't. Or maybe it is that you just feel useless. (laughs) Can't do anything. It's, It's like the war in Ukraine, what could I even do? What could I even send a bit of money? But I want, if I wanted to get involved, what could I actually do? Here's the answer. Prayer is a powerful weapon. And I think in the church, we've come to think, oh, we, we pray because, because God tells us to. Good. We pray because it feels like, oh, it feels a bit cathartic. It feels like mm, it, it, it maybe does something. Like you pass on the problem to the big man and then he has, he has a responsibility to do it, do something about it. Or we pray because it feels like, oh, um, yeah, it's just a last resort. I've tried everything else. Oh, let's try prayer. 
I'm here to tell you that prayer is the first and only resort and prayer is the first and only thing that really, really changes things. And it is exciting because you don't have to be just angry anymore. You don't have to feel useless anymore. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel afraid. You don't have to feel like you have nothing to give. You don't have to feel hopeless. You have the very power of God, a weapon to bring up against these things that are breaking your heart. All right? I hope that excites you because we're going to go through this amazing story that I'm going to share with you. So I'm going to tell you the story about two old ladies whose names are, or names were, they're a bit older now, uh, they are not alive anymore, but Christine and Peggy Smith, tell me, who knows these people, heard of them, Christine and Peggy Smith? At the time, one was 84 years old and blind. Her sister was 82 and suffering from arthritis. If you think of anyone that could change the world, do these two people sound like it? No. No. But here's the thing. They were growing up in an island in the Hebrides. Who knows where that is? Scotland, Scotland, up north. All right. Um, And they looked around and they saw in their church tons of old people and no young people. No young people. It was like... They knew this God had this amazing, amazing plan and purpose, but all the young people were missing out on it, and they, were, they saw that situation it broke their hearts. But rather than thinking, oh, we can't do anything about it, they knew we can do something about it. So here's what they did. They decided twice a week they were going to start praying for a revival in the young people on that island. Twice a week from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., they would pray. And then whilst they were praying, one of them got this amazing vision of the church filled with young people and it inspired them to pray. And then the other one got this prophetic word from the scripture from Isaiah that says, I will pour out water on those that are thirsty and floods will come on the dry ground. And so armed with this prophetic vision, this picture of what God could do and armed with scripture, they prayed for Five hours, if my maths is right, five hours twice a week. Two old ladies who had nothing else to do, had not, as in, they didn't have anything else that they could do. They could, one was blind, couldn't leave the house, the other one after it, couldn't walk, couldn't go meet these young people. What do you think happened? The best thing happened. So they invited this preacher guy to come and preach, and 200 people came, lots of young people, not Christians. And he preached. And then (laughs) they were saying people came so much so that they had to keep on having meeting after meeting after meeting. And of those 200 people, 70 stayed back to give their lives to Jesus because they were like, this is it, this is it. 70. So they went from zero young people to 70 in one week. Then for the next Six months, there was such a hunger growing up across this whole island for what God was doing and wanting to know Jesus that they had to keep on having meetings after meetings after meetings, prayer meetings, preaching the gospel meetings, all these meetings. Everyone was gathering and coming and people were becoming saved day by day by day. This island wasn't massive, but nearly everyone heard the gospel And suddenly they had a whole generation of young people who were loving Jesus and running after him. And how did it start? Two young, two young, two old people with broken hearts who decided we want to do something about it and we're going to pick up the weapon of prayer and make it happen. That's what I'm inviting you guys to do today. How's that sound? All right. (laughs) 
was an invitation to clap, but uh, thank you for following my lead. Right, I'm going to tell you one more story because I feel it will inspire you. Who goes to a school where everyone's a Christian? Really? Amazing. Christian school where everyone's Christian. Who doesn't go to a school where everyone's a Christian? Yeah, who would love it if they saw their friends come to know Jesus and come to know his hope and salvation? Who would love it if not just their friends, but their whole class came to know Jesus? Who would love it if their whole year group became Christians, their whole school became Christians? Who thinks that's impossible? Good, I love the honesty. There's this story of these, these women who moved into an area and they, they just, people were resisting them. They were going out preaching. They were trying to go into the churches and talk about Jesus and there's just no joy, no joy. But they felt God is in this place. God is doing something in this place. And so they kept on praying, God, we're meeting resistance in this place, but we know that you want to do something here. So they prayed and prayed for two weeks. And then they got, they got in touch with a school. <laughs> and they said, can we hold a meeting in that school? And the headmaster said, sure you can, but you're not going to get any joy here. No one's interested in Jesus. No one's interested in that. At the service, many people gave their lives to God, including the headmaster who told them there would be no joy there. How amazing is that? Imagine if someone came to one of your assemblies and talked about Jesus and you saw your friends give their hands up, give their lives to God like they did in that meeting there. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be incredible? Okay, I want you to turn to your Bibles, if you have them. And I'm going to move this because it's in the way. Okay, and you're going to open your Bible to what, uh, 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, that's in the Old Testament. It's like Genesis, after Genesis, after... Deuteronomy, all those. Before one Samuel, before Kings. Two Chronicles. And it's chapter 7. And then I'll tell you the verse in a bit. I want you to turn to one of another and just quickly share with each other what comes to mind when you think corporate prayer. And let me just say, corporate doesn't mean business. Corporate means lots of things coming together. Single corporate. So corporate prayer isn't business prayer. Corporate prayer is people coming together. Is that helpful to know? It's helpful to know. It's a terrible name. Prayers of many is better. So we'll go with that. Um, So talk to one another and say, when was the last time you were in a, a prayer meeting with other people? It might even have been just this morning. How much experience do you have of it outside New Day? And then just share a situation. Well, we'll do that later. Do that first. Talk to each other. What's your experience of corporate prayer been like so far? Okay, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. Right, so King Solomon has just built a temple. And he's just prayed a very big long prayer, sacrificed a load of animals. And when he finishes, God has something to say. And verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a promise. What a promise. We are not powerless. 
when we see things around us. We are not hopeless when we see things around us. He's going to come and he's going to change things. So first, hands up if you're called by God's name. Hands up if you're adopted into his family. Hands up if you are a Christian, a Christ, little Christ. You are called by his name. What does that make you? That makes you qualified to stand on the promise that is in this verse. Amen? Good. Yes. All right. But there's some caveats here. So I want you to turn quickly to each other. I want you to ask who are the people involved in this promise and what are they responsible for? So quickly in your little groups, just who is in this verse and what are they responsible for? Okay, quickly shout out who is involved in this promise? Everyone, Christians and God. (laughs) Do we see that? The person who's talking. All right, so The people called by his name, what are they responsible to do in this promise? There's a few lists. There is. They need to humble themselves, yeah? Pray, seek God's face, turn from their wicked ways. That's four things. And then what does God promise? What's his responsibility? What is is he going to do? Yeah, he's going to hear from heaven. He's going to forgive their sin and he's going to heal their land. So, if, if we do part one, God does part two. That's what this promise does. So you can stand on it. So, but what does it even mean to do those things that we're responsible to do? So, good question. What does it mean to humble yourself and to pray? My question is, do you feel humble? <laughs> what does it mean to be humble? Turn in your groups and say, name someone you think is humble, if that helps. Or name some qualities. What does it look like to be humble? All right, I'm going to share with you a story. There was a guy called George Muller from Bristol. Anyone from Bristol? No. Well, it, ah, sorry. Didn't, I was looking in the wrong direction. Yes, Bristol. Okay, he's dead now, but it's, he loved it when he was there, I'm sure. So he was on this boat, and he was traveling to go to a preach at a place in America. And the boat would normally get there in time, but because there was this fog that you could barely see through, it was being delayed and delayed. And it looked like at one point he was not going to make his meeting. So he went to the captain. He said, Captain, I need to get to this place by Saturday. The captain says, you'd be lucky. You'll be lucky. There's no way we can get to the end of this, um, to the, get to the end of this trip with this great big frog, fog happening. Um, and George and... Let me look at my notes. Yeah, and the captain said, it's impossible. But George said, fine, if the ship can't take me, God will find another way. I've never missed a preaching engagement in 57 years. I'm going to go down and pray. Come join me. And the captain just laughed. He was like, what kind of lunatic asylum has this man come from? And he says, do you not know how dense this fog is? And George Muller replied, I love this. He says, my eye isn't on the fog but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. They went down and prayed, and he prayed the most simple prayer. He's like, God, I've known you for 57 years, and never in that time have I failed to meet an appointment. Would you take this fog away and get me there in time? Amen. And the captain thought this was my ridiculous prayer. You need to be there for hours if you want to see anything happen, right? That's what prayer is. You need to just pray and pray and pray. And George turned to him and said, right, just go have a look. I think the fog is gone. 
And the captain went out and the fog was gone. Clear as day and they got there in time. But here's the thing. Humility is having a right perspective about who you are and who God is. It's nothing to do with how important you are. Hear this. It's not your value. Humility is being like God is God and I am me. God has his responsibilities. I have mine. And this was George Muller who was like, the fog, I can't do anything about it, but God can. So I'm going to go to him as the first resort and not try and fix everything else beforehand. How many of us go to prayer as the first resort? And how many of us try every single thing else that we can do? That's what I do. And then we pray if those things haven't worked. Humility says, God's got it. I'm going to go to him first and let him deal with those things. That's humility. So that's humble yourselves and pray. Let's listen to the next bit. Seek my face. Seek my face. What is the answer to the situation that's breaking your heart? What do you think the solution is? The solution is God himself. Think back to Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world and brokenness entered the world and it all went to pot, what was God's solution? He came. He didn't send a Marvel superhero who would then end up destroying half the city trying to save it, which I find a bit bizarre, to be honest. He came. He came. He was the solution. When we pray, we aren't looking for answers coming from his hands. We are looking for the face of God himself. We're saying, God, you need to come. You need to fix this. You need to come. We need you. But how many of us would rather have him come and fix our problems, but not have him turn up in the room? Because how would that help? Ah, it would help. It would help. It would help a lot. Because when God turns up, darkness turns into light. When God turns up, shame runs out the door. When God turns up, fear is turned into great, great love. When God turns up, despair becomes hope. We need God to turn up. We need to seek his face. And what does that say? When you play hide and seek, what does seek mean? It means you look and you look and you keep on looking until you find. It's not hide and look where you just have a little glance around like, oh, can't see him. Hide and seek means you really go for it. This is what God is inviting us to do. Seek. What? My hands? Seek my toes? Seek my face. It is intimate. This is what God is calling us into. If we want to see situations change, we've got to look for God to turn up. We've got, he is inviting us. Seek my face. Find me. I'm the answer to your situation and your solution. And that's the story with the, the two Smith sisters. God turned up. Revival turned up. Hearts were changed. It wasn't people going out and doing massive preaches and trying to force people to become Christians. People's hearts were changed because God turned up in the room. Okay, I'm going to fast forward. Next one is turn from their wicked ways. Ooh, ooh. God says the first problem is not the situation you see out there, but what's going on in here. Before we can see the outer world change, he wants to see the inner world changed. He wants to see this life, this life aligned rightly. He wants to see this life set free, this life healed, this life become all that God wants it to be. I hope that builds some kind of hope in you. 
that the world might need fixing, but God actually is like, no, it's you first, you first. I'm a dad to you first before I'm a superhero to the rest of the world. I want to see you set free and you changed. So when it says turn from your wicked ways, it's, it's an invitation to be like, God, yes, this world breaks my heart, but until my internal world is aligned rightly, then I'll pray about the rest of it. But you, God, in his kindness, wants to deal with this and that. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and I know it's fearful. It's, it's scary sometimes to, to confess, to say when you've done something wrong, when you've messed up. But I have to tell you now, it's the most freeing thing I've ever done. I remember when I was 21, 22, and I felt God say, you need to apologize to your dad. And I was like, why? He says, because you've been arrogant and proud. And you've thought that your dad's just a bit ridiculous and doesn't know what he's talking about. And all through your teenage years, you were like, oh, dad doesn't really know anything. I've got all the answers. And he says, that's arrogant. You need to, you need to apologize to your dad. And I hated every second of it. <laughs> Walking down the stairs, going, dad, I need to talk to you. And he's like, okay. And then say, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I've treated you with contempt. I'm in so, so rude in the way that I've treated you and it was out of order and you're worth so much more respect than I gave you. And I have to tell you now, that changed something in our entire family where that little bit of apology, that little bit of showing a bit of respect to my dad meant that, ah, he changed, I changed. We suddenly had a closer relationship where there was so much more freedom in our family just to trust each other to bless each other to look for the best in each other and not just be judging and I want to invite you if at any moment you feel like God's like yeah you need to sort that out with that person or you need to confess that I want to tell you now it's an invitation to freedom not into feeling bad or guilty it's always an invitation to freedom freedom starts with the inner world and then it goes into the outer and then we've got the promise I will hear I will forgive I will heal their land. That's for our inner worlds and that's for our outer world. What an amazing promise. So what I feel like now, now that you guys all know how to pray, because you've uh, gone through this verse, I think there's some of you in this room who you have something that even as I've been talking, you're like, that is the thing that I've seen in this world that bothers me and just makes me angry or makes me sad or makes me upset and that's something I feel like God has put in my heart to start praying about and I feel like you are people that God is calling to be gatherers to gather people around you just like Peggy and Christine they brought they came together and prayed there's something about gathering other people to join you which is really really good and really really helpful there's some of you here who are going to be the start of something amazing changing in the world. I'm going to read you a tiny little bit of a story in the Old Testament. Have anyone heard of uh, Jonathan? He's King David's best friend. So there's this story of when he was about, people guess, a teenager, 13, maybe 14. And he sees um, the enemy. They've started setting up fortresses in the land of the Israelites because they've taken over and won a few wars. And Jonathan's furious by this. He's like, it's not right that our land has been invaded by all these things. And so he's like, I'm going to do something about it. And so he's got his armor bearer with him, who's one of his friends, and they've got one sword between the two of them. And 
Jonathan decides, I'm going to take that fortress. I'm going to take it for Jesus. And if God turns up, then something's going to happen. And if God doesn't turn, doesn't turn up, well, at least I tried. At least I tried. And this is the, uh, the answer of the armor bearer. And he says, bum, bum, bum. oh, the wrong bit. He says, do everything that is in your heart, whatever you wish, and I'm with you heart and soul. Some of you are armor bearers. There are people here who are gatherers, who've got some vision, something in their heart going on, who really want to pray into this. And there's others of you who are armor bearers, who are friends to people like these Jonathans, who are friends to these gatherers, who are able to just come alongside them and say, do whatever is in your heart. I'm going to join with you heart and soul and pray with you and see this through with you. And that is a really, really exciting and really valuable position to have. So some of you here are gatherers, some of you here are armor bearers, and that's really good. So what I want us to do now is if you feel like you are someone who God has even just now highlighted something in you to pray about and to pray for, I want you to be a bit, I just want, not even a bit brave, just just put your hand up. If you feel like there's something that's just like a situation in the world that you feel like you've got a real big heart for, stick your hand in the air. Go on. Good, good. Thank you. Excellent. That's really good. Okay, what I want you guys to do you don't have to not come to the front, but I'd love you just to stand and spread out a bit. So if um, some of you go in, one of you goes in that corner, one there, one there, one there. This isn't about exposing you. This is just what I want you to do is to be a gatherer. So just stand up, find a space. Find a space. Great. And I think if we got some ministry team here. Great. So ministry team, if you can gather to one of these amazing people. Um, Because what we're going to do now, A, we're going to pray for these situations that are on their hearts. But first, there's something about people who are burdened with something for God that they just need people to stand with them. They just need people to stand with them to tell them that this is really important. So if you know someone in this room who stood up, go stand with them now. What I want you to do is just be praying for them. Pray blessing over them. If they share quickly what, what it is that's on their heart, they can, you can pray about that too. But I'd love you just to pray for that person and, and just this, this burden that's on their heart. Does that sound good? Good, good, good. All right, and so the purpose of this is we're just going to be like helping these people feel strengthened, feel strengthened to do all that's in their heart to do.